Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. A major part of the spirit of the Say It Skillfully podcast is it's hard to help someone you don't know. You don't know someone without hearing their story, and you won't hear their story if you don't ask. Normally, going to the mechanic for something other than routine maintenance isn't something we welcome. But I must say, thanks to my parents' car needing an unexpected alignment adjustment, I had the pleasure of meeting my inspiring guest. He has an amazing journey to living his dream. Starting out as a tire tech, he was on a track to what he calls being a grease monkey, working for big automotive companies. We'll be hearing how he made a big pivot to founding his own business, delivering professional auto repair and maintenance services to the Cary, North Carolina community for over 30 years. I am ecstatic to welcome founder of Cary Car Care, Paul Lambden. Paul, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thank you so much. I mean, you make me sound special. Paul, you are special, my friend, because I walked into your really lovely, welcoming, warm office. We're new to the area, so we're a little bit of trepidation. I know nothing about cars, right? And you and your staff really created a really welcoming environment. So I'm very oh, grateful for that. that. That's our gig. I, I, I try every day. Thank you. Well, it works. And I love um, how life brings people into our lives in ways we may not have imagined. And yeah. really, and listeners may find surprising, but I really am more of an introvert. And I'd easily have just sat there and kept working on my Mac and my waiting area. So I was glad that I just kind of went out of my own comfort zone to strike up a little chat with you, and um, which led to us being here. So please, Paul, take us through the journey of being you. Wow, that's uh, that's that's tough. I mean, um, as far as uh, professionally, I... It, it was just happenstance. It, it really was. I, I have the, the good fortune of being uh, talented with my hands and have always enjoyed uh, sharing that with other people, uh, whether it was my brothers. I have, I have five brothers, so it's six guys. And, uh, and that, that in and of itself provides you know, a, a narrow, narrow path sometimes. <laughs> So lots of things were enlightening. Uh, so yeah, I, I actually um, I, I did manage to graduate high school. I, I wanted nothing that anyone wanted me to have, and uh, I was a pain in the neck in lots of ways. But uh, I, I I met a a a lady who actually became my wife at my senior year in high school. And uh, she she did not believe that I was uh, going to follow her because she uh, had just graduated college uh, a, a couple of years later and took off to Florida for a job. And I said, well, when I get through working on the scallop boats, which I did, and that was a that was a tale all its own. Um, I said, I'm coming to see you. So I went to Florida and. I was a pretty good water skier, so a lot, a lot going on here. But uh, so I followed her and decided, well, I'm going to try and 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 water ski and make some money at it. I always loved it. 
so I went to Cypress Gardens and got a quick interview there, and they told me a few things that I needed to have happen, and uh, they required money. <laughs> so lo and behold, uh, I said, well, I guess, damn, I'm going to have to go to work in order to make money so I can go to school, so I can go back to doing what I'd really like to do. So long story short, I did lots of different jobs. Uh, I worked construction in high school, so that thought that would be a good way to go. So I did that for a while. I we my brothers and I had raced and and made and driven everything that burned fossil fuel as kids. So uh, I was a I was a go kart mechanic at one of the big tracks down there in Florida. I did all sorts of things, and then finally. Uh, and of course, it was about trying to make some money. Uh, and, and did I mention I had gone down with my to be wife and we were living together and I was trying to provide some money for that as well. So and we were living in sin, by the way. This was quite a while ago. So. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, I managed to uh, to make a little bit of money and found in the paper while I was not making enough. A, uh, a tire changing job at the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company uh, at their store on Hollywood Boulevard. So I did that, went there, went through their classes and uh, wound up being a tire changer. And, and then I went through their mechanics class uh, and I had quite a bit of experience. So I adapted pretty well, pretty quickly, thank goodness, and um, moved up through the ranks. And so I started turning wrenches. That's the, uh, that's the term for grease monkeys for mechanicing uh, is turning wrenches. So I started turning wrenches and um, making a little bit of money. But I soon realized life and living and rent and food and stuff was never going to uh, allow me to make enough money to drop back and get back to that skiing thing, which I, which I love. So one day I got up, we had, my, my wife is a, a vet tech and we have a beautiful Samoyed dog. And I was walking that dog at six o'clock in the morning and walked around the corner by a little duplex. I think it was 600 square feet. And uh, as I came around the corner, there was a police officer with a gun pointed at my head. And he said, the gentleman just came by here. I think I hit him. Did you see him? I'm asleep. I've got my dog. I managed to nod my head no and went back in the house and told my wife, we have got to get out of this town. We, we are never going to make it and raise a family in this atmosphere. So we were both originally from Virginia. It was a matter of who could take a job and get back towards that area. And I took a transfer with Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, and lo and behold, landed in Raleigh. Uh, I was supposed to work at the at the Crabtree Valley store, wound up working at the Cary store, and that was in 1981, a couple of years ago. So, and you just interrupt anytime you want to, but uh, I'll... I'll keep going. Well, listen, I am going to take you back to the, sure, because sure. this is so, this, you know, this is like, you never hear this stuff unless you ask. I do want, we can't, we can't, we have to talk about six boys and your yeah. dear mama. Okay. Yeah. So let's just oh, go God. back. Where were you in the birth order? How many times did you almost get killed by your brothers or vice versa? This, yeah. this has got to be. yeah. It, it, okay. So I'm number five. 
Number five. And uh, we were all five or less years apart. So there's quite a distance, you know? It's, yeah, it was unbelievable. My my mom, uh, I won't get too deep, but my dad was uh, a, a, a sick, probably bipolar man who self-medicated with alcohol. So there was a, it was a, not a, not a good household. And uh, the difference in my brothers is I remember my oldest brother picking me up over his shoulders. He was Air Force. He he was trying to get the heck out of that environment as well, because my dad was a Methodist minister. And as far as he was concerned, my oldest brother was going to be Jesus. If even if he had to beat it into him, you know, that was just my dad. Anyway, long story short. Yeah, uh, mom was a peer. Uh, she was an equal. She definitely wasn't someone associated with the tyrant who was the head of the house. So uh, I thought, and everyone thought that was normal. I, I recall during some of our conversations with my brothers that, uh, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? Well, because our neighbor seemed to have the same predicament going on in, in, in their household. Life is uh, is not fair. And that's just uh, how it is. But if as a kid, you think that's that's normal, so you keep getting it. And as far as my brothers, we were a band of brothers because we had a we had a common enemy, and he was our dad. So we protected one another. Whenever one of us would get hurt, or we'd fall out of trees, or cut our arm off, or whatever, we would keep the other one quiet or squall and got our hands over the mouth. Because if Dad found out, not only were we hurt, but he'd beat the hell out of us for doing something we had no just do it anyway. So there was that, you know, and uh, uh, we protected one another. And uh, we are of such different age groups. Uh, we have gotten to know one another more as time has gone by. And and it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's not, you know, this is a, a and not to bring back any painful parts of it, but for a young person, you know, going through that, I, you know, I often say I just barely made it with this fabulous upbringing that I had from my parents. And so, yeah. you know, when you inject that, um, did you, I mean, how did you deal with emotions about, you know, having your dad as an enemy? I mean, how do you, how do you think about that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was, you know, several of my brothers say, I wish that I had had the courage that you had. And, you know, we can always second guess lots of things uh, moving back. But I was I was certainly I was the one who was not going to deal with it. I was not going to put up with it. It was uh, it was it was fundamentally wrong to me. And uh, I was the rebel. I was the trouble. So. It, it it worked out for me. Uh, it gave me the drive and the energy that I needed to accomplish things and 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 somehow knew that I could, I guess, uh, you know. So, you know, it's funny how no matter what goes on, like you said, you had a wonderful upbringing, and, but it's normal. It, it was completely normal for me. And it doesn't make the hard things any less hard because they're still there. Uh it's it's wonderful that perhaps you had someone you could talk to about it rather than uh, someone you could find or even if you didn't internalize those feelings, which is, from my perspective, what happens. You, know, yeah, you, well, turn, you, you deal with it as best you can. 
and you think you're dealing with it, but it it it's dealing with you. <laughs> <laughs> There's the wisdom. <laughs> you yeah. realize, huh, somehow I made it out of there. So with the uh, other kids in school at the time, do you recall, I just fitting in felt fine? Well, I was always the new kid because, uh, you know, looking back, I, I, I could not figure out why we moved so much. But it, but now, of course, it's because no one liked my dad. <laughs> and if you didn't believe what he believed or what he preached, then uh, that he didn't want anything to do with you. So then we stayed a lot of places for only a year. There were only two places that uh, that we had four year what were called charges. We were we had four year charges, but and and at one of those charges, there were six churches. So it was six services every Sunday. And uh so you know I, I'm not quite as God fearing as as some people because i I find some problems with some of the things. And 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 the man who was supposed to be uh a man of God clearly wasn't. Yeah. So, yeah that's uh that's the and and so school was I was always the new kid. And so I had to be the tough new kid or thought that I did. And so that was my MO. You know, it was uh, it was fight and uh, and see what happens. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're for folks who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, you're just you're a very quiet, calm you know, just the meter. And to think of you as the tough fighting kid is sort of like rubbing my eyes like, wow. Well, you know, that's I was cool. very fortunate to bluff my way through most things. <laughs> Only a couple times did I uh, did I realize uh, just how inadequate I was from a fighting standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> you believe, though. If you believe, it takes you a long way. That's exactly right. Uh, cool. if, you believe and you and you know nothing is off the table, then it scares people. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that. Well, we'll talk a bit about raising your own family, and I'm sure that your own experience really informed you and in how you phrased your lovely tribe. So take us back to your wife. And you know, this is really fascinating to me because your wife's, you know, college educated, what have you. You're like gonna follow her. This sort of sounds like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it's not that fascinating, really, but <laughs> she was just beautiful, still is, and uh, just uh, a whole lot smarter than I was. So, uh, and, and we butted heads. She's strong-willed, so I think that's part of it. And and she had a whole lot uh, of uh, of drive and, and impetus into why and what I did. And and if she'd had her way, we would have we would have started a business on her own earlier so you know it, it just didn't feel and maybe i'm skipping ahead but when we did decide to make that jump and 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 open a business because i just didn't like the way the industry worked um it was not without risk from my standpoint i i was not nearly as secure as she was i mean we had three little girls i was i was uh you know, 33 years old in 1990. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. 33 years old and had three little girls under the age of five. And I was stretched out between banks and, and six days a week, you know, seven days a week back then. But, uh, it, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be until a little later. And then it felt easier. And then all of a sudden it wasn't again, because nothing's easy. 
Well, so take us, take us back. <laughs> yeah, I love the real thing here. So I want to get real because there's a lot of entrepreneurial spirit out there. And I think you're going in with an open uh, mind. You need some naivete to be dumb enough to do it, I guess you could say, but yeah, you have no, to. Absolutely. Or, or someone who believes in you. And, yeah. and you know, because the, we all have it in us somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us, though, when you're seeing at work what's not going well. I'm curious, what were some of the things that you were seeing? And then how long, you know, what was your wife's role in prompting you to make a move? Because I think a lot of people see a world where it's just not really ideal for them. Right. But but some and some of us go with it. I'm not making anyone wrong or bad if you don't make a big change. But, Paul, I'm just kind of curious, like, what is it that kind of got grease the skids, you know, pun intended for you to actually make a big jump? Well, I think um, so when we got here and I went to work with Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, uh, it wasn't but a short period of time before one of the local independent shops uh, put a bid in to buy. Goodyear uh, was selling off their uh, service uh, departments in several different states. And one of them was here. Uh, So the, the, the location here in Cary went up for sale. Uh, the franchise of it, and a local duty tire, which was an independent Don Duty, was uh, was the owner of that company, and he made me an offer, and I went to work for them. So it, it changed hands from a company-owned group to a local group, uh, and I stayed with them, and I was with them for almost ten years. Uh, and so I started off as a technician, and I worked. They had. Six locations, I think, five or six locations, uh, local, all local here. And uh, I worked at each one of them. I had worked at each capacity. Uh, so there was a technician, there was service managers, there was assistant managers, there was managers. And I wound up managing the store here in Cary for uh, quite a number of years. And 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 Don died and the, the whole atmosphere of the program started to change, not to take away anything from the people that remained. It just was different. And one of the people that I worked with, uh, who who was one of the higher ups with uh, with Duty Tire, was Doug Wilson. And he and I had, had become pretty good friends. And uh, as things were changing, he and I talked about opening our own business. Uh, He certainly was more of the business end of it. And I was more of the shop end of it. It was a good, uh, it was a good mix, good give and take there. And, and again, my wife's on the backside of my shoulder saying, yeah, you need to do that. Let's, let's do that. And so it was a matter of trying to come up with the money to, uh, to make that happen. We did ultimately, we wound up, uh, getting some money from her family's side uh and which was a which was a great deal i was we were in we were in debt to her her uh grandfather and uh that was a wonderful uh boost of confidence as well and and quite something i was not used to and it came from her side so it was great and we were able to move forward go into business together started out we we spent I spent quite a bit of time. Again, I'm a hands-on, so I bolted all the lifts in the floor, ran all the airlines, put it in air compressors, did all of the stuff. Doug and I did it. 
And that was a several month period. And then we opened October of 1990. And at first, you know, it, it, it was tough, but there was a period six, eight months, nine months in where he said, you know what? We're, we're actually going to make some money this year. And so we were just ecstatic. You know, I could not imagine. Now, I'll regroup just a second. I had the advantage of being here in Cary, knowing people, uh, having uh, good acquaintances with technicians and clientele. And we took a lot of that with us when we decided to open our own business and on purpose. You know, I mean, we, we've advertised and we said, hey, we're going to do this. If you'd like to come be part of this, we'd love to have you because we're going to pay our bills with your money and, uh, and, and do the best we can every day. So that's kind of it, you know, but it, it didn't take long from that, Molly, to where I said, well, I thought this was going to be easy, but uh, it's not. And it changes rapidly and people change and it, and uh, requirements change and life goes on. And you uh, you finally realize it's not getting easier. By golly, I believe it's getting harder. <laughs> but you find ways to deal. Okay, my friend, let's talk about some of these tough times. Let's talk about mistakes because, you know, you're very <laughs> upfront and smiley oh, about it. I, I can imagine I, I mean, I, I really am. And, you know, this customer service thing, you know, people were annoying, right? So you can only yeah. imagine that yeah. also when people are annoyed, they're very vocal. So just, just sure. talk about some of the, the, the learnings, I guess. And, you know, I don't know if um, you would have continued considered yourself naive at all or like very savvy because you had had so much experience. Well, I think a little of both, you know, uh, I was certainly naive in the business and the, the, the government uh, requirements and, and tax laws. Oh, my gosh, it's just craziness. Um, so, yeah, certainly naive from that standpoint. Uh, to me, you should be able to say this costs $2, we could sell it for $4, and we're going to have this much cost. And at the end, you've got that. Okay, works out pretty well. Well, it, it, that's a fairly naive look at things, but uh, <laughs> there's some basic truth to some of that. But, uh, you know, there there are a lot of factors for sure. <laughs> but as far as uh, the business, I knew, uh, I mean, you think about any experience that you've had, whether it's McDonald's, the coffee shop, uh, the doctor, no matter what it is, you, you you one can almost always tell if someone is engaged in what they're doing, whether they really give a damn about what's going on or not. You know, and 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 are we just blanketing things, or are we? Are you talking specifically to me and about my problem? And I've tried to. For me, it it's it's always been easier to talk about exactly what's going on. Here's what here's what I see. This, yeah, it's my opinion, for sure. If you'd like to get another opinion, I encourage that. But here's what I see. Here's why. Here's what we recommend. And yeah, I know what it means to have a crazy, unexpected bill when you've got kids at home that you're trying desperately to feed and clothe and, and give the best, because everyone wants to give their children much more and much better than what they had, even if it was wonderful. You want to at least equal that. So I mean, there's there's no no question that the the pressures and the and the trials and tribulations are universal. So there's that. But I've always found that if we can do 
for others what we would want to happen to ourselves, the money will come. And that's kind of it. I love the back to basics. I love the back to basics. Um, your business partner, some thoughts for folks who may be thinking about it or are in business, who, you know, what are some of the things that really helped your partnership flourish, things that you learned? Yeah, he, he was everything that I wasn't and vice versa, uh, which, you know, could not have matched much better. And even if he wasn't and I wasn't, we would find a way. Uh, and we we had sense enough to ask for help if we weren't sure or we didn't know. So those uh, that, I think those are qualities that uh, that go a long way, even if you don't or your partner doesn't. But uh, Doug was financially savvy. Uh, he had uh, he had a lot of contacts in the tire business world, uh, in the banking world, of which I had none. You know my my experience was repairing automobiles as hard as I could go to produce dollars. But, and, and, you know, I look back at some of the technicianing work that I did when in my young years, there are certainly corners that I cut where I don't think I ever made anyone unsafe, but I know I was in a hurry to get things done. And that's one of the things I wanted to change about the industry because the industry is driven uh, to promote that. It, it pays for hours built, not necessarily hours worked. And that's been a standard and, and uh, not to get off track, but we have always tried to have a different pay program so that people have a life, a good work life balance and not just being worried about at 11 o'clock I've got to get six cars out of here or my paycheck is going to suffer and my wife is going to go crazy and, you know, I'm not going to pay. So, again, a side note, but uh, I had those types of experiences and I knew that my experience uh, could carry us wherever we needed to go in terms of theory and operation of automobiles because I knew it. I enjoyed it. and I enjoyed sharing that information with people. So that that worked out that worked out pretty well. Uh, and and I had sense enough to realize that about myself and try to cultivate that. So that's so great. When you have employees who who have that same ethos and everyone's on board, that's great. Um, how were you with having to lose employees if they didn't have that ethos, or was that not an issue for you? Yeah. I, it, it's always an issue. Yeah, you, you, you. It, it winds up being something that people either can relate to, uh, and and want to get behind that, or depending on age and experience, uh, it it has to be about the money and only the money. And uh, so we've we've had the good fortune to have most people buy into what we were trying to to do with the industry. It's another side note, but I remember distinctly, and some of these were good, good people, good friends. We would go to parties or to my my wife was uh, was one of the founding uh, ladies of the women's club in the Fuquay Verena area. And we would go to these socials and things. And I remember distinctly 
uh, how I would feel around other people. And one in particular, and I'll name no names, but he used to introduce me as his his car guy, you know, and that was just one of those things that as a uh, technician, as someone who gets their hands filthy working on something, you just deal with. Uh, I, I, I imagine it kind of being like racially it involved, you know, almost not not to that level, of course. But bottom line is, yeah, you you certainly are minimized when you're in a particular group. I didn't like that, didn't enjoy that, and uh, would go out of my way sometimes to, uh, I don't know, perhaps uh, promote a different world. So that I, I definitely remember that that kind of feeling also. Yeah. And I'm sorry, maybe I went went off the. Uh, the track that you were on there. It's all great. I, I'd like to go back to this because I think the idea of really believing in ourselves and not letting the external voices and what we hear overwhelm. I mean, we're always, this is kind of a constant struggle because we're always comparing, but yeah. we're not comparing. Right. And, you know, I, I think when I think about how you came through fighting spirit as a young person, you know, I, I don't, it seems like it's a sort of an innate, like, you know, I'm, gonna make it and I'm gonna do it and I don't yeah, really care what you exactly think. Right. I always knew that no matter what, and I think that you thank you for reminding me of that because I always knew I didn't need any of these employees. I didn't need a one I could stand right here, do the work, take the phone calls, make sure and when I talked to people and I did the work, I knew exactly how it was done and I didn't have to worry about good, bad or otherwise because I knew it was right. So yeah, that is a struggle all by itself, allowing other people to come into their own and being trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great learning. When, uh, talk a bit about the shop, you know, I, I think, you know, we talked about this generational thing cause I asked you and I have friends, um, colleagues, clients, when you have an opportunity to create something and then you've got this next generation, you know, you can't, you don't want to force your kids into something, but just right. talk to us about how the, as the business flourished and then you're thinking and, you know, how do you preserve this legacy and keep it going? Well, I don't know that I ever had sense enough to say, you know, this is a legacy of sorts, or <laughs> just, uh, I know it's, uh, and I also didn't have sense enough to know that when you have girls, not only are they so much smarter than guys, oh my gosh, uh, my girls at 13 had more sense than I had at 35, hands down. So, I mean, <laughs> so there's that. But but the 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 fact that there's proms, there's there's events, there's weddings, weddings. Holy macro! Who thought there's college? And we had committed. We're going to pay. We're going to send those girls to college, and we're going to pay for every bit of it. And we did that. And so we struggled um, to produce the dollars. For us, our people, our health insurance bills, all of that stuff, it was a, it was a total struggle. But then there were weddings. I got to tell you this one story real quick. My youngest daughter, who I'm so proud to have as part owner of Carrie Car Care, and in line, I'm out of here. She's going to be it, and I couldn't be. She and my nephew BJ, and they are such a super team. I, I don't want to get off. They they complement one another. Tremendously. Anyway, my youngest daughter, here we are. I get the speech at the wedding. 
and I chose a particular little item. So everyone that saw Kelsey's dress, they said, you know, that dress is absolutely perfect. It It is her, everything about it. I said, so imagine my surprise when I had an $1,800 bill to tailor that dress. I said, what the hell? How is that possible? The dress was perfect. Everyone that saw it knew it. But yet there it is. So the only point to this story is, holy mackerel, weddings, once you you think that you're going to have some money for yourself, no. You're going to spend your money on your children, and you're going to do the best you can, and you keep telling your children, look, at some point, I'm going to lose it. You're going to have to take care of me. <laughs> oh, me. So anyway, there's there's that, Molly. I declare. Oh, my gosh. So just shift for us, for your wife <laughs> and you, the parenting. Listen, yeah. you're, you got this... Business is like seven days a week. You got three girls bouncing off the walls. I mean, how how did you guys? She's working. I mean, that's just a lot. Yeah. So we were we were so fortunate. We we knew also that I say we Barbara and myself knew that we wanted to we wanted someone to stay at home, and that was another one of the drives. There, I could make more money as a technician than she could make uh, as a vet tech. So. I won, she won, you know, she, so she's been a wonderful mom. Uh, I, I mean, she's kept them and myself in line, uh, sometimes much to my dismay, but, uh, you know, it has not been easy. I'm not trying to tell anybody that, but bottom line is there is no relationship that is easy. Uh, everything requires great communication, uh, great empathy, and great understanding, and a willingness to continue that relationship. So there's that. But um, so we made that decision. She's taking care of our kids. I'm working my butt off. And then there's work. So trying to change uh, the, the, the industry, trying to provide dollars uh, a lot going on. Yeah. And you don't realize at the time you're just trying to struggle along. You get to go to bed at night and you get up in the morning, you know, you're going to do it again. And that was me anyway. I, I, I've, I've never been able to see past a few days down the road. It's been a struggle for me to look forward. And I encourage everybody to get better at that. Because if you're if you're fortunate to keep breathing, next thing you know, you're going to be older. So that's just that's 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 another tidbit. All right, uh, I I forgot the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, this the the getting of uh, Kelsey involved oh, yeah, in the yeah. business. How'd that happen? Kelsey, so so we're busy going at it, and uh, we made a decision to go to five days a week at the shop. And I said, you know, it's this is nuts. This is one of the things we need to do in order to attract the people that we want, because six days a week is nuts. No one has any time for any family. They don't even know who the hell their family are. We're family. We're together all the time. And that was one of the comments I would always make. We'd have monthly meetings and we still do, but that's it. If we cannot get along and, and agree on some things as a group who's with each other 65 hours a week, then 
you know, what's the point? So anyway, so we went to five days a week, which was fantastic. Uh, we were one of the first shops to do that. And we also had made a decision, Doug and myself, we kept thinking, are we going to open other locations? Is that what we want to do? You know, he had some some peers that were branching out and doing other things. And I'm, I'm sure he had uh, this feeling of, you know, I, I need to do what they're doing. I need to be as good. You know, I need to be. Anyway, everybody's got that junk. You just have to realize whether or not it's important to you. So what wound up being important to us was having a location that we could control, if you will, that, that we were there we could get as big as we wanted to right here, but we were going to do it here. So that's what we did. We committed to that. And as life went on, Kelsey has always been my uh, my, my save the world child. Uh, you know, she is she was a, a big part of the women's movement on state campus. Uh, she worked at some some uh, 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 women's clinics and centers. And it, she finally realized that the toll that it took on her mind and her body and, and her pocketbook could not be sustained. Um, and she worked a variety of jobs, and, uh, and that was her, 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 uh, her major was women and gender studies. So she was well-versed and, uh, and, and dedicated so long story short, she decided, and I had mentioned to her before, and she decided to come and, and work with us for a while. And she brought a lot of experience with, uh, um, she was in real estate and a variety of things as well to produce some income for herself. Anyway, long story short, she started here and found that it was a wonderful way to help people. Uh, so she scratched that itch. And she made some money. And and while we're on the subject of, of, of the people that are here now and are coming, BJ is my nephew. That man has been here since he was 17 and a half years old. And that was 26 or so years ago. And I have had this sit down with BJ. I said, BJ. Please go work somewhere else. You are one of the smartest, talented guys I've ever known. I never want you to look back and say, well, damn, I stayed over there at Carey Car Care when I could have done this. I could have done that. And he has still stayed here. <laughs> and he has been such an asset. And he and uh, Kelsey are the future of Carey Car Care. So that, in a nutshell, how that happened. That is so genius. I love that it just fell into place. Succession planning just happening for you. It's fabulous. I want to go back to your passion of water skiing. Because yeah. So you had wanted to be a professional water skier. And so when, and you have some very interesting personal pursuits. So when did you give yourself permission after from six to five days to start to do Paul? I don't think I ever got there. No, there's no do Paul because... You know, as you can imagine, I have I have I have been mad all my life and I didn't know why I was mad. So I have been a real challenge for my wife and my kids. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm glad to be in a better place now. But there were times between the pressures of business and the pressures of parenting 
uh, and the pressures of marriage that I was just an aggravated madman all the time. And I was angry at my dad and the things that had happened and the opportunities I didn't have. And I didn't even have sense enough to know it. So there's that. And I've gotten in a better place and been able to uh, think. So as far as thinking about that stuff early on, oh my gosh, if it weren't for my wife and a few other people trying to help me think, my brothers as well, you know, trying to help me think, tell me the things that I was doing right and uh, and help me along with at least, uh, you know, a pat on the back, I guess, uh, that, that yeah, you, I, think, I think you're going to be all right or something to that effect. That, that kind of kept us going. My mom was the was the best at that. She she had a super duper way of no matter who she was talking to or where you were the center of the room. I mean, there was just no two ways about it. She was a, a beautiful spirit for sure. That's a fabulous example. So you mentioned Barbara, your family. Are there any other folks in particular that were either role models or mentors for you, Paul? Um. I, uh, again, I, I think I, I think I go to, um, my brothers, um, that, that I'm close to, um, role models. Yeah, I don't know. I know you asked me about the skiing and I'll get back to that, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, I certainly, I guess probably the most of the conversation that I had along any of those lines with was with my brother Lanny. Uh, he was certainly a huge in, influence in uh, in helping me think through some things. Barbara, my wife, certainly was as well. <laughs> Even though I can certainly tell you at the time, it probably wasn't as well accepted. You know, uh, it's just something about uh, when you think you know something better than someone else. It's kind of hard to hear. Uh, I'm sure no one can relate to that. <laughs> I love that you're putting this out there. We're all smiling because we're all like, oh, he's talking about me. Yeah, damn. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when that happens, oh, that's crazy. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'll get back to the skiing real quick. So I loved skiing. I was a, a barefooter and fearless, but there, I kind of got tangled up with this wonderful woman. And then there was just no room for it. I mean, we, when, when I still had boats, still have boats, still skiing, still barefoot today, even though, full disclosure, I, I haven't barefoot skied in almost four years, but I was going to this year, but I just couldn't find a drive. So I, thank goodness I'm still in fairly good shape, or at least, and then my brain really thinks it's good to go. <laughs> it's just the body is having a hell of a time. So uh, I just, I just, I just knew that that wasn't going to be it. I mean, it, I, I'm, and in in hindsight, I was never really that good. I was just pretty good. You know, I mean, I, I, I could carry my own uh, in my age and weight class, but uh, it, it, to be a true stand-up performer, uh, some of the barefooting routines at Cypress Gardens are unbelievable. I mean, and it matters not the weather. I mean, if it's rough as hell and blowing like crazy, and you're supposed to ski on your feet, it still needs to happen. And uh, I was probably not quite that con consistent, even though I enjoyed the heck out of it. So that faded pretty quickly, and it was work, 
work and it was some work and mm-hmm. uh i also loved motorcycles uh, one of the trips off the scallop boat that was another whole thing i made good money on scallop boats as as one can imagine because it's a crazy lawless world on the ocean and there are lots of people who are running from the law and that's the reason they're on the boats anyway i made good money came back one time bought a motorcycle had two accidents. One was not my fault. One was my fault. And the one that was my fault, I rebuilt the bike and looked at it for a year and had sense enough to sell it and save my life, bought some woodworking tools and have never looked back. One of the best things I ever did, got rid of that motorcycle because I cannot stay out of the throttle. I have got to twist the throttle. It's the best thing since sliced bread. If you've ever driven a fast motorcycle, it is like a video game. It is fantastic. So don't get one. I love the wisdom. I love the earnestness. This is just amazing. Okay, I think we have a few minutes. I have to segue to the say it skillfully part of the show, Paul. So is there a tough conversation or was there a tough conversation? Take our listeners through that. Let's unpack that. Okay, real quick. My best analogy for that was, and my girls will tell you, dad used to do this kind of stuff all the time. So I'm a pilot. I have my pilot's license. And that was one of the things that I did for myself. And my wife helped me with that. And she gave me $1,500 on our 15th anniversary. And I went flying the next day. So it was it was such a great reality for me that I could learn. I could actually learn things. I took the time and I nailed it and aced those things. And I've enjoyed flying ever since. And I used flying as an analogy to raise my children too. When we had when we had the sex talk with the girls, my analogy was, it's just like flying an airplane. If you're headed towards the ground at 100 plus miles an hour, there's only one instinctive thing, and that is to pull up, pull away from the ground. Kills more pilots than you can shake a stick at. The reality is the plane is stalled and you have to predetermine what you're going to do. You have to know in your heart, in your mind, in your soul that you're going to push forward on the stick. You're going to push that airplane into the ground, which starts it flying again, and then you can slowly pull up. So it's just like the dating thing. If you don't have a predetermined decision, peer pressure, instinct, hormones, all of these things are going to take over. Next thing you know, Sex is involved. You've already made that mistake. So that was my hard conversation to figure out how to tell that to my girls, because I was one of six guys. So I knew what was on everybody's mind. And I didn't know anything about the opposite end of it. And here I have three girls had three girls, two female dogs, a bunch of mice that most of which seemed to be female, except there was one guy because we kept having more. And then my wife. So I had more females around me, and it was the best thing that could have happened to me. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so spectacular. So I am so just joyed, joyful for you and being in such a great place. And and I thank you for just kind of going to the whole twisting and winding road. What uh, what are your dreams ahead? You got some grandkids and talk about the things that you're really looking forward to. Yeah, I, I we we do. We are very fortunate now. All our girls are local. Um, they are all married and each one of them has two children. So we have six grandkids. 
five little boys and uh, one little girl. The oldest is nine, and the youngest is uh, just getting ready to turn a year. Just getting ready to turn a year. So that is fantastic. Um, one of the neat things about Kelsey, uh, my youngest, another thing that happened, we we happened to be looking to downsize about the time they were looking for a home, and they and we found a lot in a place, and we we bought into this subdivision and they happened to be looking and said hey dad we're kind of looking at the lot next to yours what do you think about us being you know your neighbor i said well hell i guess you could have worse neighbors so (laughs) so anyway they wound up buying so we are neighbors it is fantastic and she has two wonderful little boys and and her husband is a delight i couldn't be more uh proud of of him and her and them and then my oldest daughter is in apex same thing love her husband and she has the two older boys and then my middle girl is in the same subdivision as uh, Kelsey and I, Shelly. They live about two streets over, and they have the other little girl. So, by golly, it is fantastic. I am uh, constantly trying to get them into airplanes, and I'm a metal worker and woodworker, and I, I just uh, I love creating things. And I, um, it's just. It's just fantastic. Oh, the most recent thing, Charlie and myself, which is my oldest girl, Corey's husband, we're building a tree ship. Uh, so uh, for the for the grandkids, and it is a whopper. Uh, it is twenty two feet long and fourteen feet wide, and you can only imagine what the kids want in there. There got to be a lot of buttons and the lights and stuff. So we're we're just having a great time. I mean, we're very. I'm very fortunate to. To have my health and looking forward to having some time to to do more of those things. Yeah, well, that, I can see the joy in it. I think it's so great. Um, let's go for a wrap. You know, I think I looked at some stats and it's like 99% of U.S. businesses are considered yeah, yeah. small. And um, only 16% of those, which is about 5.3 million of them, have one to 19 employees. You're in that sweet spot. And yeah. so um, kudos right? For thriving and providing jobs for people, Paul, that's really huge. And then just for our listeners, just one or two, you know, lessons, advice, suggestions, considerations you might have for people striking it off on their own. Well, I I think the, the biggest thing that I have learned, Molly, is that if you make the wrong decision, you can change it. You know, that's kind of it. It, 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 there's no guarantees, good, bad, or otherwise. If if you have something you feel pretty strongly about, and then you've got a lot of other stuff that you don't, go with the thing that you feel strongest about. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be definite. You know, it just has to be the best thing you think you can go with. And if you do it and it doesn't work, or there are complications that you can't work out, change gears and do something else with it. If it, if the if that wasn't it drop back to the next thing that was poking you uh or or find things that that you like uh it might be something that you never even thought of uh and and that that's 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 my advice don't get yourself in a spot where you can't smile and you can't figure out uh the best way to live life because uh this is the journey you're not going to get to a spot where you go, okay, well, I made it. 
it's all a constant breathing and uh, eating and sleeping and doing what humans do and having to have other humans to do it with. Nice. That's fabulous. You've done so much. Do you have a particular proudest accomplishment so far? It's got to be my, my girls. I wish folks could see your face. I get it. I get it. I get it. They're the um, They're fantastic. They yeah. saved my life for sure. That's spectacular. And um, lastly, what do you wish for your grandkids? I don't know. I tell you, I wish. I wish we would get uh, a, a little better as people uh, about being inclusive and um, changing the climate that we are in, not only worldwide but but people wise it's just it, i'm always struck by uh uh neil uh what is his name neil degrasse tyson who says you know aliens have already been here they have come and they have seen that we don't we're just aggressive crazy people uh and they don't know anything you know these guys are still burning fossil fuel so we might as well leave and come back in a few hundred years and see what the hell is going on now. So that's my hope for my grandkids, that we can become a world that realizes colors, uh, religions, garbage doesn't change who we are. We're all people. And uh, if we can't figure things out, we'll burn it all down. Yeah. Thank you. Lastly, Paul, what was it like for you to share your journey with us today? It was fun. You know, overall, I, I and, and you kept telling me you were going to send me this flow chart, I, and you did, but I never got it. So, so this, I just, we just winged it, and you, you try, try to keep me square, and clearly, I, I, I'm able to talk. So, uh, it's been fun, though. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I appreciate it. It's been, it's been neat meeting you. And contrary to what you said. I know you might be a little introvert, but I think you fell into that conversation with me that day just on on cue. <laughs> well, thank you, my friend. You made it so. I just want to appreciate you for all that you've gone through, all that you've shared so generously with us today, Paul. You um great example of knowing no boundaries uh, and committing to taking action so that all of us can be safe, seen, and heard, and are uh, true and very best, best selves. So you are a part of the solution. If there's any tiny way I can ever be helpful to you or Kelsey, BJ, anyone, you know how to reach me. Um, I wish you well for the holidays and you take good care. Same to you. Thank you so much. Oh, folks, that's just spectacular. Uh, my thought for the week, so apropos, the gap between knowing what you want and going after it is where fear thrives. You don't need enough courage for the entire journey. You only need courage for the next step. And a shout out to all who've made this show possible, the stellar crew at Voice America, the talented Eric Patton, who's behind the scenes of every episode and the driving force for our Say It Skillfully website and all our social media. And that is a wrap, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify Paul's voice. Reflect on your own top takeaways. And know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality. Essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is solvable. Communities are proving it. 
and it begins by understanding that we can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. The U.S. spends billions each year responding, but it's clear more resources alone aren't enough to solve this complex problem. Community Solutions is a nonprofit working alongside 105 U.S. communities, proving it is possible to make homelessness rare and brief, starting with veteran and chronic homelessness. These cities and counties are fundamentally changing their approach and have committed to get to zero homelessness using real-time, person-specific data to work and use their resources wisely. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org. See if your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name and need? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness can't be solved. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 